0: What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Why don't you make the show your first listen every single day? Make it a part of your daily routine, because it's coming at you every single weekday. So make it your first listen every single day, and then come back the next day and do it again. Today's show... It's a mailbag episode. We're going to answer listener submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there are there here's the best ways to do it. Uh, the the best practices have slightly changed uh, because the behavior of your dear host has changed a little bit. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rich, and on day of I will send out a tweet soliciting your questions. I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll give you like a six or seven hour head start. Say, hey, I need some mailbag questions. At Mike G. Rich, you respond to that tweet. I will do my best to get you in the show or I'll pick out the ones I like, quite frankly, and put them in the show. If you don't, if you're not a Twitter person or you're someone who doesn't tweet or you just don't want to follow me and at the whims of my, when I decide to do mailbags, just email me. Locked on blazerspod at gmail.com. Quite frankly, that's the best way to get in touch with me always. Uh, if you want to ask me a longer question, if you want to reach out, if you want to just share some thoughts, locked on blazerspod at gmail.com. Keep it civil and I'll respond and we can talk hoops. All right, those are two ways to do it. So, uh, luckily, some of your fellow listeners have submitted questions, including the good Reverend Dr. Jess Beelman at Rev. Dr. Beals, Rev. Dr. Beals on Twitter, who asks, I know that plan A is to build around and win with Damian Lillard. They have made that very clear. However, other than not using all of their possible offseason tools, what would be the signs that they are hedging for a post Dame rebuild? I think plan A is to build around Dame. I think plan B is to build around Dame. And I think plan C is to build around Dame. If Damian Lillard is here, there's no hedging. Last year, basically a year ago, in last July, Damian Lillard was so unsettled for the first time ever, he openly questioned his future with the Blazers in a public way that he had never done before. Then we went into the season with a whole new head coach. They fired the GM, and then in January, when things were going sideways, absolutely with Damian Lillard's blessing, they shut. They traded their good players for future flexibility. They traded C.J. McGollum, Dame's longtime running mates. Then in the All-Star Break, they shut everyone down and intentionally lost on purpose for the final 23 games of the regular season. They were aggressive in this way, and you better believe everything they do, Damian Lord is involved in. Um, He had a say in the previous regime's decisions. But uh, he didn't have... I believe now he has much more say. I believe him and his team are have a much louder voice than they had under Neil O'Shea. That doesn't mean that they're like that Cronin doesn't get to make the moves. It just means that Dame knows about the moves, approves the moves, you know, uh, approves of the moves. He doesn't like rubber stamp it. I'm not suggesting that. But like, they aren't doing things without Dame's blessing and Dame's understanding. And when they decided to shut the team down, Dame understood what that meant for the team's present and the team's future. When he decided to have surgery, he knew what that meant for the team's present and the team's future. When they traded C.J. McCollum, you better believe Dame and Lord signed off and was okay with Okay, it's time to to make that move. All of that said, Dame understood what the plan was, but Dame understands what his goals are, and his goals are to be good. And if he's here, they're going to try to be good with him, and there are no, not going to be half measures. I think it is much more likely that the Blazers, who owe a lottery protected pick to the Chicago Bulls over the next uh, until 2028, uh, at some point they're going to have to give it to him. Will remove the protections off of those off the pick. Just straight up give the bulls a future draft pick and next year draft pick or whatever it might be allowing them to trade other future first so they can take bigger swings so they can sweeten a future trade so they can chase someone with all that they have like that's much more likely there aren't going to be half measures. I think it's like a 95% chance they trade the number seven overall pick in the NBA draft. I think it's like a 5% chance that they draft a rookie. And that would be, to me, if they do draft a rookie, the very unlikely chance in my eyes that they do draft someone with number seven, it wouldn't be a sign that they were hedging much more than a sign that they just couldn't get done what they wanted to get done. As a quick aside here, uh, you can't sign and trade guys with the draft picks. So the draft pick thing is going to be separate from the sign and trades, like if they were to trade Ant or to trade Nurk uh, with sign and trades. Because for the way sign and trades work, is that Yusuf Nurkic or Anthony Simons, the latest two big free agents, would have to agree with the team they're going to to sign there, and then nego- the two teams would negotiate a trade. You can't do that until free agency starts. That's you know two full weeks after the draft. Um, you know until like the moratorium begins and and and, and like the ne- legal negotiating happens. Uh, the league you know. T- took draft picks from teams for tampering last year with sign-in trades with Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry, um, you're not going to be able to trade Anferty Simons and Seven for something. Um, I think maybe there's like some super collusion, big brain stuff where you could draft someone at Seven, not sign them to a contract, and then eventually trade that player's draft rights uh, a la Andrew Wiggins getting traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves back in the day for Kevin Love. But that wasn't a sign-in trade. That's like, it was just like more moving parts. Those are going to be separate Items, they could all happen like they could all happen but if the Blazers do end up drafting at seven I don't think that that will be a sign of them hedging or building for the future Um, they're going to go for it with Dame like they don't want a bridge to the future the think of like the Warriors they drafted Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and people thought oh they're going to trade those picks but they're just like hey we didn't find the trades we wanted these these two gentlemen would be the bridge to whatever's next the Blazers do not have the talent on the roster to just wait and have the bridge to whatever's next there that's not what they're doing they need to burn the bridge get a fighter jet and fly over all of the rest of the bridges they need to skip a lot of steps here to get good and you can't not that you can't do it with rookies but you certainly can't like one dude at seven is not going to change the blazers outcome drastically next year it could change their outcome into in many years in the future, which is why I'm favor in favor of just drafting at seven, but they're going to go for it. And because Dame wants to go for it, it has been clear. When Damon Lord told Chris Haynes, when he started listing off traded player exceptions interview with Chris Haynes and... Um, <laughs> the the TPE and the and the potential cap space and all this stuff like when he started talking to, when he mentioned Yahoo Sports all of the Blazers tools for this summer you better believe my man is invested in in how this team's going to get good they are not going to be they are not going to hedge they are not going to hedge they are much more likely to mortgage the future aggressively this summer and try to go for it with Dame than to do anything that looks like a halfway move doesn't mean that it'll work they might it might uh, wildly flop, but they're going to go for it. And the previous regime didn't go for it. And I think that Damian Lord was frustrated with that eventually. And this, this group is going to go for it because, in part, if Dame's going to be here, the understanding is they're going to go for it with him. I think there are, um, I think plan A, plan B, plan C, if there's a plan D, it's all go for it. All of it. Um, there is... There is no, n- almost nothing they do will be a sign that they're hedging. But, um, Rev Doctor, I know you'll hit me. If they do do something that looks like hedging, you know, ping me. We'll talk about it. I'll admit that I was wrong. All right, second segment. I got more questions for you. But first, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Is Daily Fantasy Made Easy? Uh, Prize Picks is super fun. I use the app, but you can go to prizepicks.com as well or download the app on your mobile app store. Uh, all you're doing is picking over-unders versus the projected lines set by price picks. And if, for basketball, which is mainly what I do it with, it's points, it's rebounds, it's assists. Uh, the NBA's only got a couple games left and max two. Uh, but, you know, you can play the other sports, the NHL while the finals are going on, the uh, WNBA all summer, MLB all summer, whatever it is. And again, you're just picking and projected. The, the price pick sets the line on whatever it might be. Hits, runs scored, uh, for WNBA points, rebounds, assists, all those things. You pick... Asia Wilson, over 17.5 points. You pick Derek Hamby, under 7.5 rebounds. You can win some money. You pick two and five players in every entry. You can win up to 10 times. It takes about 60 seconds to make entry, and you can win some money. And if you go right now, and on your first entry, use the promo code NBA. You get 50 bucks when a player on your team scores one point. So pick Jason Tatum. Pick Steph Curry. Pick Asia Wilson. Uh, you're going to win some cash when you use that promo code NBA. you get 50 bucks deposited into your account. That's prize picks. Daily fantasy made easy. Alright. Let's keep rolling on this glorious special delivery mailbag. Next question comes from All Good at Julio Can2 on Twitter, who asks, I think every Blazer fan wants to see the defense proof. But with Damian Lord and Anthony Simons, a number one offense seems much closer than a middling defense. Is doubling down on offense a thing that we might see this summer? What would a number one offense look like? Who would we need? Let's just answer the first question uh, simply. They wouldn't need much. The Blazers are probably, if Damian Lord is healthy and Anthony Simons is as good as he can be, the Blazers wouldn't need much to be a top five offense. Like they're going to be damn close to it, I think, just because I think Dame is very good still, despite um, maybe some people worried that he's not good anymore. Not me. Um, Not even really people I talk to, but certainly I think some of the perception from uh, the larger narrative, let's call it, is like the idea that this team is like super cooked. I think Damon Lillard is still one of the 15 best players in the league. I think he's one of the best offensive players in the league. The last time he was fully healthy, he was one of the five best offensive forces in the league. The last time he played like a truly healthy game that we saw him play, he had 50 frickin five and should have had 12 or, or more assists in a playoff game. He's a good basketball player, I think you're really close just with him. What else would you need? You'd need Nazir Little to hit 37% of his threes. Bang. You're the number one offense in the league. I think it's that simple. I really do. I think they're that close. Let's talk about the other part. You cannot double down in much the same way that they're not going to do half measures, they're not going to hedge, because that's what the previous regime did, and I think it frustrated Dame to no end. At least eventually it frustrated him to no end. Uh, I, I think the Olshay-Lillard thing frayed frayed late. Um, hence, Olshay gone, Dame here. Uh, the, the, when Neil Olshay traded Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell, he leaned into the strengths. He said, We can't, we just can't find a big wing on the market. We're going to get another small guard. And, and Norman Powell is, well, he was kind of billed as a defensive player. That's not what he is. He's a bucket. Like, he's a bucket. No, Norman Powell's skill is offense, that's his strength. I guess he, you know, he was on a team where weirdly he was the defensive stopper, but that's not what he is. Like he's, he's not that he can be part of a good defensive team, uh, but he's a bucket. That is norm strength. The Blazers had a bunch of dudes who could score on the roster and leaned into that. It gave them a first round exit. They're not going to fall into that mistake again. One, they're just not going to repeat that. 2 Chauncey Billups will lose his dang mind. Um, I think Billups was really frustrated with the lack of size on the roster. Um, I know he, would, he said in his ex-interviews that the team just needs better defenders. He wants to play a super aggressive style of defense, and you need better defenders to do that. And you need better defenders, quite frankly, to, to push towards middling with Damon Ant on the roster. And moreover, if the Blazers want to be good and want to be serious about being good, what the hell does that look like? Well, let me tell you this in the NBA finals right now. You're seeing the number one defense in the league. The Boston Celtics play against the number two defense in the league in the conference finals in both teams that featured the one and two defense as well as the fourth best defense in the league in the Miami heats and the seventh best defense in the league in the Dallas Mavericks and for good measure, Defenses number three were Phoenix, and six were the Memphis Grizzlies, two of the other teams that made it to the second round of the Western Conference Finals. If you are serious about being good in this league, you need to be a top 10 defense. I don't think it's negotiable anymore. I think you can be fun, competitive, but if you want to be good and have a slice of of the championship equity... Albeit even a sliver, like I mean, the Mavericks really had a sliver of championship equity, and 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 they had a really fun and rewarding season. It's because they went from one of the bad defenses in the league to a really good defense, and basically the only personnel change they made was adding Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock is a really good defensive player. He is never going to sniff an All NBA All All Defense team. Like, he's just a competent defender. They had better buy-in. They had better schemes. They got more out of it. Maxi Kleber stayed healthy. They took off. You don't need to wildly overhaul. The idea was that Chauncey Billups was going to be this big defensive upgrade. When the Blazers were fully healthy or whatever, close to fully healthy at the beginning of the season, they were awful on defense immediately. And that's with better defenders like Robert Covington and Larry Nance Jr. on the roster and Norm and all of that. They need to get better, and Billups needs to get more out of them, but there is no scenario where they lean into being an elite offensive team because leaning into being an elite offensive team is just existing with Damian Lord and Amphrey Simons on the roster. If they're serious about competing, which they keep saying, that they want to be good and that they're going to you know, go try to be good, and I, I have every reason to believe they're going to take big old swings. We are going to see some, They're going to be one of the most active teams this offseason. It's going to be a ton of fun. You're going to want to listen to Locked Blazers because it's going to be a ton of fun. They need to be a competitive basketball team. The teams that are good in the West are top ten defensive teams. The Blazers are probably a ways away from that. They've been like, you know, middle of the road when Yusuf Nurkic is healthy and on the court. Uh, they need to they need to be to be to have a shot at it. The Blazers need to be in the top twelve on defense. I don't think they can win a championship like I'll just like straight up from here to where they're going to be in August. I don't think that you know whatever October when the season starts. I don't think they could they'll be like a championship level team, but to be a competitive team, to be a team that is like one of the one of the teams that has a puncher's chance, like maybe not actual like the tiniest tiniest sliver of that of that elusive championship equity, they need to be a top 11 defense, top 12 defense. That's that that's the goal for them. And if they're not that, they're not a serious team. Like they're not, it doesn't matter how good the offense is. I think something like the second best offense and the ninth best defense gives the Blazers a chance to win a championship. I think the sixth best offense and the 17th best defense, which seems pretty reasonable, does gives them a chance to be fun to watch again. If they're serious about it, you don't lean into your strengths, you fix what's wrong with you. All right, let's close out the show with more of your questions. I final question here on this glorious special delivery mailbag. But first, let me tell you about bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, more lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. So if you want to bet on the NBA finals, you want to bet on the Stanley cup finals. You want to bet on the MLB regular season. You want to bet on the WNBA's regular season. You want to bet on MLS action. You want to bet on NWSL action, your beloved thorns. You're going to find it all. On bet online. Pre game odds, in game live betting, futures bets, whatever it is, you're going to find action. You're going to have some fun. So don't wait. Go take advantage of it today. That's bet online where the game starts. Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We are still cruising through a special delivery mailbag. Final question of the show comes from Brandon Goldner at Goldner PDF. At Goldner PDX on Twitter, who asks, does Ant have superstar potential? This feels like a loaded question, Brandon, but it's a good one. I think the simple haters answer is probably not. I think, uh, to be clear, yeah, he he, like uh, one of, you know, 90th percentile best Ant outcomes. Yeah, he's a superstar in the league. But most likely, no. And in some ways, this is because superstar is hard to define. And perhaps me, personally, I, defi- I set the bar relatively high. How many superstars are there in the NBA right now? Eight? Fourteen? Certainly not 20? How many superstars are in the NBA Finals? Two? Was Jason Tatum a superstar in December? I think you could quibble now whether Jason Tatum is a superstar, period. To me, yes, he is a superstar. But I think he is somewhere near the line where you draw it. The number one team in the East, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo's not a superstar. He's an incredibly helpful player, one of the best defensive players in the league. Like, just a a really special basketball player. He's not a superstar. Jimmy Butler is probably somewhere right around that Jason Tatum line of like, yes, that's a superstar. Jimmy Butler certainly taps into it every so often, and he's a missed three-point shot away from being the best player on a team that made the NBA Finals. On the other side, uh, Chris Paul was a superstar. I'm not sure he is anymore, and Devin Booker's not quite there yet for me. Luka Doncic is absolutely a superstar. How many of those players are in the league? Not a lot. So to say that Avery Simons, in my opinion, does not have superstar potential is not to say that he isn't going to be a really good player. It's to say that the bar for being that is incredibly hard to pass. C.J. McCollum is going to average 20 points a game for a decade in the league. Never a superstar, in my mind. Didn't make an all-star game. Probably never will make an all-star game in the league. It's, going to, it's like a the Blazers' fifth all-time leading scorer. A wonderful player. Just, truly, truly a wonderful basketball player. I feel the same way about Jason Tatum. A wonderful basketball player, but perhaps a... A half a tier, half a step, whatever you want to call it, below whatever the realm is for superstar. Anthony Davis probably was a superstar a couple years ago. What is he now? Like the 20th best player in the NBA? I don't think he would be considered a superstar largely and broadly across the league. Certainly a star. A famous person. He has his own Ruffles chip. (laughs) So does Jason Tatum and LeBron. Uh, I only think one of those dudes is is a superstar. Certainly isn't Ruffles' chip as the bar. It's higher than that. Every Simon's potential is to be very good. In the brief period when they turned the keys over to him, he was great. Great. Averaging close to 30 points per game on 60% true shooting, dishing nearly eight assists a game, controlling and manipulating defenses, commanding double teams. Uh, he was as he was a borderline all-star for six weeks. Great, 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 wonderful player. If he reaches that peak for an entire season, he is a borderline all-star, a special player, and someone worthy of a whole bunch of money. He'll probably if he does that for a season, probably immediately outplay the contract he's about to sign this summer, and he might sign a hundred million dollar contract this summer. But superstar to me is such a high bar that predicting that someone will get there seems unlikely. I think this feels like hating. Like as I'm going through this question, and I picked out this question because I wanted to share my earnest and honest thoughts about this. It feels like hating to say that. And I, 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 can, I can feel the emails coming in. I can read those YouTube comments. I don't think it's hating to say that Amphrey Simons' peak is something like a second all-star team. It's hard to make the all-star team in the West. I don't think it is... Say the bar for superstar is making an all-NBA team. Obviously, it has positions, so it's weird. So, like, Rudy Gobert makes it all the time, even though I don't think people would call him a superstar, even though he's probably one of the best defensive players in the history of the sport. Um, but he's probably not a superstar. He's probably a tier below that. Same with Donovan Mitchell, probably a tier below superstar. Really good basketball players. Uh, you know, the best two players on a team that won 60 games, backpack seasons, or on pace for 60, because one of them was short. Even if it's all-NBA... The, the chance that Amphrey Simons is an all-NBA type performer at any point in his career, relatively low. And even then, that would be 15 dudes in the league who would be like superstars. And I think that is just way too many folks who you could really call a superstar. Can they be a building block of a team that makes the NBA Finals on their own? Put them out there by themselves, on their own. And you say, okay, if you start with Giannis, if you start with Jokic, if you start with Embiid, if you start with Luka... If you start with LeBron, although his certainly the window's closing, but he's still very good. If you start with those guys, yes, you can win a title, period, because you have those guys. I think that's the bar. And I don't think Amity Zimons... Does he have potential? Yes. Like I said, something like this 90th percentile outcome. But the most likely outcome is short of that. And it doesn't mean that he's not good or not worth a bunch of money or not worth committing to long-term. It just means, and I want to be clear about this, it is really hard to get really good players on your team. Jalen Brown's absolute stud. I don't think he's a superstar or close to it. He's just a really darn good basketball player. Draymond Green's going to make the Hall of Fame. Same with Klay Thompson. For maybe a very brief period, Clay was a, was a superstar. Maybe. 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 I don't think Draymond Green ever was. It's like a, you know, one of the best defensive players again in the history of the sport. It's a high bar. It's an incredibly high bar. I don't think Ann's gonna get there. Maybe that makes me a hater. It doesn't make me a doubter. I just want to be real about what the word superstar means. And I want to close with this. Uh a listener, Nathan. Shout out to the homie Nathan. Send me an email. Nathan's a regular emailer sent me some questions about the NBA draft. He says, the Blazers should just pick a superstar, someone with superstar potential at seven. Yes, <laughs> they should. They should pick someone with superstar potential at seven. What does that mean? And who has superstar potential? And if they fall to seven, how would anyone know that that player has superstar potential and six, you know, however many players ahead of him are not quite there? I think that word is maybe bandied about more than I am comfortable with. And maybe you set a totally different line. And I think that's fair. But to me, the chances that you draft a superstar, one of these like franchise pillar building blocks, is incredibly rare. The players, again, should just take a rookie at seven and go for it. But like, I just don't think there's that many players in the league. And the idea that you could find one in any given draft seems unlikely to me. You can draft some really darn good basketball players. the The, the previous draft filled with a bunch of studs. Uh, the, the last two drafts have had some really fun players, really fun rookies and second year guys in the league. Right now, the league's in a great spot. I would be curious how many you how many folks you think from last year's excellent, wonderful draft class are superstars or have superstar potential. I think Scotty Barnes is an awesome player. I don't think he's gonna be a superstar. I don't think Evan Moore is gonna be a superstar. Same with Josh Giddy, same with Jalen Green. I don't know. I don't know if Kate Cunningham can be, but he's probably in my mind the closest to it. And even then, superstar? Is he gonna be one of these like you know six, seven, eight best players in the NBA? It's a high bar. <laughs> Hit me up on prize picks. I'll take the under. That's gonna do it for today's show. If this felt like hating in the in the final segment, one comment on the YouTube channel, or if you're not over your audio listener, which many of you are, email me at gmail.com and tell me I'm a hater. I know I am, but I'm just trying to keep it real and be honest with you. I want to set expect. I want to be real about what my expectations are, and then you can set yours on a totally different course than mine. That is that is the nature of fandom. Tomorrow's show. Do not miss it. Brad Rowland, host of Lockdown Hawks, is going to join me, and we are going to talk about trading for John Collins. The Blazers have been rumored and connected to uh, Hawks forward, Hawks big man John Collins. We're going to talk all about Collins. We're going to talk about trade packages, all of that good stuff. You are not going to want to miss it. So come back for tomorrow's show. That's going to be. This is you're listening to Wednesday, June fifteenth show. That will be Thursday, June sixteenth show. Do not. Miss it. It is going to be a ton of fun. So join us. Make us your first listen every day. Tell your friends to do the same. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag, locked at gmail.com is the best place to do it, or follow me on Twitter at Mike G Rich. But again, the email address locked at gmail.com is the best place to do it. Appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.